Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to BFI Network Podcast. I'm Matimba Cavalita. Our job at the network is to discover, develop and fund new and emerging filmmakers. It's not always easy to get your questions in front of people who make decisions, so we've been running around with our microphone pulling in some favours. Jordan McGarry is the Director of Curation at Vimeo. We sat down with her to talk about online platforms, the evolving world of digital and that all-important Vimeo staff pick. We're here with Jordan McGarry. We are in Finsbury Park, in her lovely home. (laughs) We were meant to meet at the Exeter... I can't... (laughs) We were going to meet at the Exeter Street Bakery. What's it called? Exeter, yeah, Exeter Street, Street Bakery. Bakery. Yep. But there was too much music and loud yeah. coffiness. So yeah. now here we are in your home. So we're here because this is where I work. And it's quite unusual because obviously Vimeo has a huge office, but that office is in New York. I'm one of a few people who work remotely. I've been at Vimeo for five years this summer, um, which feels like quite a long time by our standards because we've grown hugely over that time. And yeah, so I work from here. It's fun. <laughs> so, actually, you've kind of nicely gone into my first question. Vimeo has expanded so much in size and reach over the last few years and is an amazing and really important platform for filmmakers. So, can you tell us about the Vimeo ethos, so to speak? Yeah, well, Vimeo's been going for just over 10 years, I think, officially, or maybe it's 10 years. It's come from such a brilliant place because it was created by filmmakers and really, with everything we've done, they've been at the sort of forefront of what we do. Our official mission statement, oh my goodness, let me try and get this right, is we're on a mission to enable creators to make, share and sell their work in the highest quality possible without interruptive ads. And there's another, oh God, I should have said this properly, but also for viewers to to be able to watch this amazing work in the highest quality possible without interruptive advertising. And so, you know, we came very much out of being a creative platform. It was created by people who were filmmakers and developers who wanted to be able to share their work. And so we were the first to be able to do, to offer HD uh, video. And we had, um, you know, music store to help people find um, music that they could use legally. We have Vimeo Video School to help even people who, you know, even if you're just, you're not interested in being a filmmaker per se, but you just want to be able to make nice videos of your family or on your iPhone, we can help you do that better. Everything we did right from the beginning was all about how to, help people make better work and find an audience to be able to share their work. That sort of led us to a certain point very nicely. And then a few years ago, uh, we launched Vimeo On Demand. The ultimate 
thing for us back then. We were always trying to figure out how do we help filmmakers get paid? Because it's all very well, you know, helping people make work and share it, but ultimately everybody wants to make money <laughs> from the work that they do, you know, call us old fashioned. So you can make a film, whether it's a short film or a feature or a series or whatever it might be, you put it up online and you decide how much to charge for it and then you keep 90% of the revenue. So that was quite groundbreaking at the time because I don't think there's um, many people, if anyone, who offers a revenue share as, as generous as that. And so since then we've been trying to figure out you know, how to grow that business and help filmmakers do more to you know, help them promote themselves and help them um, reach their audience. Yeah, taking that from there. I didn't realise all of that and the expansion. And how many people, how big is the team? Well, I, w I can never quite remember. I think I was like number 34 about five years ago. And now we are just over 220 or something like that. Wow. Yeah, so it's got, I mean, we're still small compared to a lot of people mm. when they think about you know, the big internet companies. By comparison, we're still quite small, but we're a lot bigger than we used to be and we're still growing. So... It's exciting. And can you tell us a bit more about your role as head of creation? Because actually we were talking about it on the way over here and how interesting that title is. The, the company is, uh, you might say, sort of divided into sort of people who look after the creators and who make the tools and who make that the platform work better for creators and then people who think more about the viewers and the, the sort of audience side and the marketing. And um, we sit fairly uniquely sort of right in the middle because we do both. There's six people who work on the curation team and we have also lots of freelancers who work with us. And we go through, I mean, we've never quite been able to work out how many videos we watch each or collectively each week, but let's just say it's a lot. We follow all the creators who've ever been staff picked before. We follow lots of the great channels on the site. We keep in touch with creators on Twitter. You know, we watch all the social media. We have a couple of back-end tools that help us track what's sort of trending on the site, what's doing well. But actually, most of what we use is available to anyone. So it's not like we have some secret sort of master laboratory that tells us where all the good videos are. It's just pure old-fashioned digging. And we program five videos a day in staff picks. It's very, it's, you know, there's a lot of conversation and thought that goes into each of those. It's never like, I'll find a video and I really like it, so I just put it in the channel. There's always a conversation and you have to have other curators sort of second the vote and approve it before it goes in. And it's really fun and it's really wonderful. I think that Staff Picks is one of the most amazing parts, not just of this job, but one of the most amazing things I've ever worked on because we have such great, such great feedback from the filmmakers that we feature and we know that it can have a huge impact on their careers. So being able to sort of deliver that audience to people um, is just so wonderful because it's not... The, the thing that I really love about Vimeo is it's never been about, you know, oh, this video is blowing up and getting millions of plays, therefore we should put it on the front page. It's like this video hasn't had any plays or hasn't had very many plays at all, but is brilliant and deserves to get a big audience. So let's put it on the front page of the site and help it get that traffic. Yeah, so that's just a really, really lovely thing to work on. And then we also work on um, Vimeo On Demand. Obviously, that's a different kettle of fish slightly because that's dealing with feature films and series. So that's a different kind of work. But we program that front page and we also put those films into the Staff Picks channel now, which is another experiment recently that we're very excited about. We work with our brand studio team, which is, you know, when people... Vimeo is not really a huge thing uh, for advertisers. We don't put ads all over the video, and that's very, very important to us. But we do work with advertising and brand partners occasionally where brands will come to us and they want us to help them commission some films for the brand. So they'll, you know, we'll work with them to come up with a brief. And then generally the curation team gets involved to select the filmmakers. 
the filmmakers go away and make a film for the brand and we just um one of our films one of the brand studio films just won an award at Tribeca uh, their first branded content award which we were very proud of and then also more recently there's Vimeo Originals which is our first sort of steps into original content that's going really really well and again it's very exciting because a lot of them if not most of them come directly from the sort of staff picks talent pool we get to know all these filmmakers and they've all got scripts under their arm or projects that they want to work on and so being able to directly help a filmmaker make their first whether it's a a movie or you know a a short film that takes them up a level or a series that they've done the first season of um, and they and we've come in come on board to pay for the second series that's all gone really really well and it's something that the whole company is really buzzing about at the moment this is exciting I did not know yeah we do have funding um it's not necessarily you know we're still doing baby steps it's Mm -hmm. not something that is necessarily there's huge checks to be written for everyone but it's something that is it's going well and it's something that we are I'm sure going to get behind more as we learn more about how it goes you know the first one was high maintenance which is a web series and that was native to Vimeo we staff picked a lot of their episodes early on and they'd built up a really good following online by virtue of being on Vimeo and, you know, being staff picked and promoting themselves cleverly. So when we were talking to them about the second series, it was clear that there was an audience there for it. Who, oh, who, are, the, who are the filmmakers? It's Ben and Catcher. From, they're now signed with Pulse. Oh, OK. But they signed with Pulse, I think, off the back of High Maintenance being um, an original. But they had a very clear thing that they wanted to do. They had a very clear audience that was already engaged. So it made sense to us that we can write you a check to make the second series. We didn't even read the scripts. We were like, we trust you. We know that this is a brilliant thing. We want to help you do what you do best. And we want to stay out of your way and just let you go and do it. So that came out November 2014. And then last year and this year, we've sort of been ramping things up a bit. It's still, it's not that we have millions. It's about one a month that launches. Most recently, we had a documentary called Wizard Mode from a team of directors called Salazar, and they've been staff-picked like 10 times. And Wizard Mode actually was a short film, a short documentary. And they were very clever because they released, I think they shot it all roughly at the same time, but they released the short film um, alongside a crowdfunding campaign. We were already on board as partners, but the short film drove attention towards their crowdfunding campaign that they needed to find the money to finish the film. That all obviously did a nice, nice job of promoting the feature, which just came out. We have a short film called Derby Forever, which is um, made by Vimeo sort of native directors, but stars and was written by a woman called Aidy Bryant, who's in Saturday Night Live. So she came with her own sort of inbuilt audience. And actually that's part of a thing that we should talk about called Share the Screen, Mm -hmm. which we're doing this year. And this year is, I mean, I'm sure it's going to continue actually, but this year the focus is on female directors and sort of supporting Uh, female directors commissioning them and helping them market their films so that was the first share the screen project there will be more soon yeah and there have been others there's been a stand-up special called um bianca del rio's rolodex of hate which is very funny (laughs) and um, funny yeah um so yeah there's there's lot there's more coming soon that is amazing and uh, let's talk about audience because i obviously hear from a lot of filmmakers who want that all-important staff pick yeah need it need that and they but they also the thing about Vimeo is that they know that you guys engage audiences Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to get a sense of numbers of how you know how wide that audience is well and these numbers change all the time because everything's constantly growing but I think we're somewhere around 
I don't know, it's either 180 or 200 million unique users a month. The average staff pick, I mean, it, it's it's hard because some of them blow up and go crazy viral and some of them just get a respectable, you know, 40 to 50,000 plays. But the thing that we have in on in, you know on our side, which is helpful, you know, it's not like a YouTube millions and millions and millions of people audience, but it's a really nice audience in that lots of the industry pays attention and, you know, lots of press pick up the stuff picks and embed them in, a, in their blogs or wherever. So we have an amazing ripple effect where it's not necessarily the day that you get featured that you get this huge audience, but generally over the next week or two, your, your views will keep going and the people that are watching are the people who can help you. So we often hear people you know, they had their first staff pick and they got signed to a production company, mm -hmm. second or third staff pick, but they got a development deal and now they're working on a feature version of the, of the short. It's, it's also important to say that we're not necessarily, you know, films can have varying audiences, even though it's a great film. If, they, if, people, if the creator isn't paying attention to some of the sort of basic housekeeping, like mm -hmm. is the thumbnail really strong and compelling? Have they put the right title of the film on? You know, it's amazing how many people still upload their videos and they will leave like the, the it's, I don't know, the name of the film, 1080 H, you know, HP, or right. sort of technical details from the file mm -hmm. show up on there. And so we, we are always just, I know, we, when we found, the, there's films I could talk about recently where the filmmakers have uploaded a film that we've been dying to come to the platform for ages, but it's got a terrible thumbnail. And one of the things about Vimeo that, um, you know, is really helpful is that filmmakers can select any frame from their, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Film as the thumbnail or upload a custom one. So we often say, you know, if your film's been to Sundance or if you've been at, played at any festival, won any award, put the laurel on the thumbnail because... You know, when you're on the internet, you know what it's like. If you look at your Facebook feed or your Vimeo feed or you're you know, looking, scrolling through a, a blog, there are so many things competing for your attention that if the, the main image associated with your film doesn't really pop and sort of demand that people <laughs> slow down and look at it, then it's very easy for people to whiz past you. So we often talk to filmmakers, you know, we, we might love the film, but we might say you need to do a bit of work on your thumbnail to make sure it does as well as it should do. Now that's come from Jordan McGarry. 
director of curation. No, because I always say to filmmakers, even when we're doing stuff on our site, we're always like, can you send us a still? And they're like, well, we didn't take one or we didn't have a photographer. And it's like, well, just think, just be really forward thinking. Yeah. Jordan said it. <laughs> Everyone needs to do it. <laughs> I think it's really, like it should be in like filmmaking, just one oh one, like on set. Don't wait till you're trying to launch your film to think about this stuff because it's much harder to, you know, like you say, if you'd only just taken a few stills on when you were on set or done a bit of behind the scenes content that extra, you know, like a DVD extra kind of thing. Doing it at the time while you're shooting it and, and then filing it properly and knowing where it is a few months later or whenever when you come to launch just saves you so many headaches later. But the th again, the thumbnail, I cannot tell you how important it is. I even once did a, this is a few years ago now and it was kind of rough research, but I took the, I think I, I looked at all of the staff picks over a year and the ones that did the best and tried to figure out why they did so well and the ones that did the worst and why they suffered. And it's not about the quality of the work because there were some great films that just didn't quite take off. And there were some films that, you know, of course we love all the staff picks, but it's like, well, I wonder why this one went quite quite so crazy. I looked at everything. I looked at, you know, the day of the week that we featured it, the time of day that we featured it, like what kind of category it was. Is it animation or is it music video? Do music videos do really well? And I couldn't find anything. And I spent ages like looking at this massive spreadsheet, giving myself a headache. And I didn't get anywhere until I pulled the video pages up. And I noticed that the videos at the top were often very colourful, strong, clear images in the thumbnails. And the videos at the bottom were, a lot of them were very dark thumbnails, a lot of black and white stuff in there, sort of dark grey. Obviously this isn't very scientific, but what I can tell you is, if I was launching a film tomorrow, I would make a very strong, bright, clear thumbnail that really grabbed people's attention. And even if your film's in black and white, like maybe do a custom thumbnail to give it a bit more of a, a brighter image. There, so there are lots of platforms out there, obviously Vimeo and Short of the Week, we're Colony, Shooting People, and we've got our own post room, etc. So how do filmmakers know where to put their work? I mean, I think, you know, obviously I want to say put it on Vimeo because I genuinely, I used to use Vimeo before I worked at Vimeo and I, and I genuinely think it's a brilliant platform. However, I would say that we don't demand exclusives from people and we would never put anything, you know, you must only put it on Vimeo. You've got to do what's right for your film. And while, you know, our player is embeddable and you can use Vimeo to put it onto shooting people or onto, you know, anywhere else you want to take it, YouTube does have its own kind of audience. I'd say it's a different kind of audience than Vimeo's audience, but if you feel that that's right for your film, put it on both. I don't think you have to just choose one. I think there's a tendency to think about your films as like a case-by-case -case basis. What's helpful is if you can sort of pull back and imagine the bigger picture with each launch that you do, because you might have a film that's released this week and does well. You want to make sure that next time you have a film coming out in a year's time or six months, you can harness the same attention. So if you get a staff pick, you want ideally that to be on your own Vimeo account rather than on maybe your production company's account. Obviously, sometimes that does happen too, but we always prefer to, to feature work from the filmmaker's account because it's nice for the filmmaker to, be, to then grow their audience and their followers on Vimeo. And, you know, I would say whichever platform you use, also set up, set up even if it's a really simple website, you, you need somewhere that people can give you their email addresses mm -hmm. so that maybe you've made a few short films and then you want to do a crowdfunding campaign to fund your feature film. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody who's ever liked one of your earlier pieces has given you their email address 
so that you can then ping them all and let them know that you've got a crowdfunding campaign. You know, you liked my short film. I'm releasing a crowdfunding to make a feature version. Are you interested in funding me? Having that database of the people who like your work is invaluable for lots of reasons. So wherever you put them, I think, you know, it's quite smart to be, to have a sort of integrated approach and have, whether it's your social media or a website where you've got an email collection, just make sure that you've got all those boxes ticked, get organised. Something else that we touched on that I'd love to come back to is talking about festivals and I feel like we're moving away especially in the short space and we've kind of chatted about this before we're moving away from the traditional like festival route for short films sometimes filmmakers feel overwhelmed I got into the festival I didn't get into that if you don't get that festival recognition Mm -hmm. how can you then leverage your online strategy to make sure that you're building an audience but I wouldn't say that we're necessarily moving away from festivals because I think the thing that it was tricky for a while because festivals were quite sniffy about films that had been online, and that if you launched your film online, then they wouldn't feature you, you know, they wouldn't include you in their screenings. And I think that's mostly changing now. You have to be careful because you know it's worth checking the small print, but a lot of festivals, I know Sundance and South by Southwest, will now accept films that have been online already. And LFF. Yes, and LFF. It's not quite so us or them anymore. Mm. If you don't get the festival run that you'd hoped for, I still think that there is, you know, there are some simple things that you can do. Certainly on Vimeo, I can speak to that, but um, in general, whatever you're doing, hopefully you've been thinking about the audience that will be interested in your film for a long time, like while you've been making the film and while you've been writing it. I would say the vast majority of films do have quite a clear audience. So you just have to figure out who those people are and where they hang out online. So we've had a short filmmaker who made a film about sriracha, you know, the hot sauce. And he was very clever in that while he was, I think he did a crowdfund to to make the film and he reached out to food bloggers and said, I'm making, I'm, I want to make this film, will you support my crowdfunding campaign? And they did, you know, some of them promoted his, his crowdfund. And then when he was making the film, he invited those people to come to the set and, and sort of see the film being made or into the edit, I forget the details. And so when the film came out, they all picked up the film and promoted it for him. Obviously, not everyone has been that organised from day one, but it just goes to show that you can think about this that early and it can be really beneficial. I think sometimes I think people feel, like I said, overwhelmed because they just feel like there's one strategy or they should be doing this or they should be doing that. But I feel like everything that you said has been really good at proving that you have to know your audience or know who you're making that film for and just be a bit more strategic about things. But what I was going to ask you about is, how do you think short films are faring up against a lot more episodic stuff? Because stuff like Hood Life, which I love, or Strolling from Cecil Emmerkate, there's lots of episodic stuff that seems to be taking off and that people are talking about. Do you see one as being more successful than the other? I don't think so. I know that we're very interested in series for originals because... Obviously, that's a nice way to prove that there is an audience there. And it's a nice way to build an audience if people like something and they come back for it. And obviously, that works if the content's good. But that doesn't mean that we're not interested in short films. And I don't think that you have to pick one. I think that they can both exist nicely alongside each other. We're also seeing lots of short films being made as proof of concepts for features, which I think is really interesting. I don't think you have to choose one everything that we've just talked about and how much Vimeo's grown, what do you see as kind of the next? I think, you know, the the thing that we feel really excited about at Vimeo is this, the sort of freedom that you get as a filmmaker or creator 
if you are able to sort of navigate all of these issues and do well, because you can make whatever you want to make. You know, there aren't any gatekeepers telling you, you know, they will anoint you if you can you know, meet what they're looking for. You just do it yourself. Like nobody told the creators of high maintenance to go and make high maintenance. They just did it. And they sort of bootstrapped it for a while, but they did really well. And then they got a commission from us. And actually the third series of High Maintenance is on HBO. So, you know, that's a classic trajectory of people who just went out there and did it themselves. And we're going to see more and more and more of that. And I think that's so brilliant because even if, you know, I, I hear stories about people trying to get projects commissioned for TV and it seems like it just takes forever and it's agony. And, you know, film funding... There are some great opportunities out there and um, long may that continue. But also you don't have to wait for that, you know. And it, even if, you know, your your chances of getting funding for a commission for TV or film or whatever greatly increase if you've shown the, that you're resourceful enough to do some of the, the legwork yourself. You know, the idea that you can build your career, you can broadcast yourself or get your, your work out to your audience and then when you're selling the work, you can keep 90% of the revenue... It's just, you know, if you told me about that 10 years ago, I would have thought it was Christmas. That seems like such a brilliant, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's easy and then not everyone will be able to do it, but people are doing it and people are going to continue to do it. And for filmmakers, it's really exciting, but also for audiences, it's really exciting because if you think about how narrow the offerings are in TV and sort of mainstream cinema, now you can find whatever you're interested in. There's, you know, you can find, we've had, documentaries about ultra running do really really brilliantly and it's a you know a subject that you don't really see on tv very often and you don't see it in cinemas but it's a really nicely made film and it did really really well and i think that that's an example of you know niches are much better served now and if you've got a uh, you know it's not necessarily that you have to be aimed at a niche but particularly for people and communities who haven't been given the the amount of films, TV, whatever, that sort of they can identify with that feels like it's for them. And if you're trying to make that stuff, traditionally it's been quite hard to get it commissioned because people think, oh, it's not mainstream. But now you can do it yourself and you can find the audience and the audience will be grateful for it because they haven't had much of it before. So for filmmakers and for audiences, I think it's a really sort of liberated, exciting time. And yeah, I'm excited to see what happens next. That what that is the challenge. Right. I th- I think it's brilliant, and I think get out there and do it. And as you say, it's not easy. Mm. But in a way, you do want filmmakers to come back and be like, look, actually, I've done that. And I think it's so true. What you you know the bit that you speak to about saying you're so much more likely to get that funding when you can prove. Yeah. Or, but also just show who you are. That like voice, that identity. Yeah. It's very exciting. I think that's the end of my questions. Special thanks to Jordan McGarry, to producer Marie, the BFI Network team, and thank you for listening. The music you've heard was from Rory Dempsey. If you've enjoyed the podcast, there's loads more where this came from on the BFI Network site. There's short films, more interviews, and funding opportunities. We'd also love to know what you thought of this podcast. So tweet us at BFI Network. Yeah, because what I realise is I don't um, because I don't breathe I mean obviously I breathe but I'm not a good breather so that's why I think it's coming off really weirdly if I do it again I think I'll find the natural place right I'm not a good breather I'm not a good breather I found that out in when I was down with dogging on Monday even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.